question from the book of Ezekiel where God, uh, the question is posed, can dead bones live? Can God bring dead bones back to life? And the answer to that is yes, God can breathe and give life to dead things. If you are glad He's brought you back to life through faith in Jesus, say amen. Uh, I don't know how many kids we have today, but uh, those that we've got, you can go ahead and exit at this time. Go ahead, uh, Ethan, you can head out. May just be you, buddy, today. All right. Go back there. Preacher's kid, everybody gets to stay home for the storms, go on vacation. Preacher's kid is still here. It's a rough life, a rough life. Last week, started a vision series to help us look at scriptures that both confront us Laying out a vision from God's Word, you have to be confronted. I have to be confronted as a pastor. You have to be confronted as a congregation uh, with what God's Word says about our past. It also helped to focus us on the future. And so we started that last week. Now, some people may ask, why do a vision series in the summertime uh, when you know people will be traveling back and forth? And uh, there's really two reasons for that. One is, as I've mentioned I've been here seven years uh, this May, and the Lord just really impressed upon me in a strong way that it was time to do this and time to let God's Word talk to us and uh, as a leader, uh, God's under-shepherd of the church to kind of lay out, here's where we need to go the next seven years. So part of it was definitely just a leading of God's Spirit uh, to do this this time. The other thing is, uh, we had a really strong spring, which was really great as a church and saw a lot of great things happen and really want to get us ready for the fall when the fall rolls back and um, you know we get through the summer to be ready to see what God's going to do in the fall and to be prepared to be of one mind as a congregation as we roll in to the fall. Man, we live in a, an area that is growing. Cookville is growing. It's been growing now for several decades and uh, there's no sign right now that's stopping. And so we as a church need to be ready and we need, we need to be prepared uh, to reach out and to minister uh, to others. Of course, today is Memorial Day. And Memorial Day, uh, that's about remembering those that, that died uh, in the armed services, those that have passed away. I believe Veterans Day, we remember all veterans. Memorial Day is for those that have passed away. When I think about Memorial Day, I think about some of the great battles, some of the great battles that have been fought in this country. And uh, one of those battles was the Battle of Midway. The Battle of Midway in World War II. This was a battle uh, at sea between boats and planes. A battle at sea between boats and planes to see who would control uh, the, the ocean waves. Admiral Yamamoto of the Japanese came up with a daring plan to invade the American naval base at Midway Island. Japanese had landed a strong punch uh, at Pearl Harbor, uh, but it was not a knockout punch. They had not knocked out uh, the American fighting force the way that they needed to, but they had landed a very intense body blow. And so at Midway, Admiral Yamamoto planned to hit the American forces there and to uh, hopefully deal a crushing blow to the Navy uh, naval forces of the United States. He just wasn't counting on one thing. One very, very big, big thing. The U.S. Navy intelligence, U.S. Navy intelligence broke 
Japan's main code, their main code for sending secret information, the U.S. Navy intelligence broke the code before the battle. And because they broke the code before the battle, they were able to understand the plans that the Japanese were sending out and were able to give directions that helped ensure that the Americans won the battle. In fact, this attack that Admiral Yodamoto had planned backfired because the Navy intelligence discovered the code, knew it was coming, knew how to prepare for it. And over three days, the Japanese lost four of their big carriers, four of their big naval carriers. Why? Well, there are a number of factors why they lost. A number of factors, but... One of the key things was because the Navy intelligence was able to give directions to help the American fighters know what to do. They gave directions that empowered, empowered the Americans to win the battle. My friends, I cannot shepherd a church on my own. You cannot be a faithful member or a tender on your own. We need directions. We need marching orders. We need commands for what we as a congregation are to do or we will be defeated and we will fail in the face of the enemy. We need directions. And thankfully, the perfect word, the perfect directions God has given to guide His church. If you are glad for the word of God, say amen. On our own, we would not know what to do. On our own, we would get mired down in the ideas of men and women and we would forget the foundation of what God has said to do. So we looked last week at a statement that really, uh, in some ways, can sum up what we need to be about, what we need to be doing over the next seven years. And we saw that, and don't turn there, but we saw from Acts 13.36 and the life of David that our calling as individuals... And our calling as a church is to serve God in our generation. To serve God at this time and in this place. To not fall back in fear. To not bury our head in past glories. To not just anticipate when He will return. We are to anticipate that. And we are to reflect and remember and be thankful from the past and do that. But right now we have a calling specifically at this moment to serve God in our generation. And my friends, this generation needs you. Whatever age you are, whatever gender you are, male or female, whatever background you come from, this generation needs you to serve God and to love God and to show God because we are truly, in America, a lost generation. We call so much that is wrong right. And we are so confused. And our politics is a huge mess. A lot of that goes back to because nobody can agree on what's right or wrong. And every man and every woman is doing what is right in their own eyes. So we need a word from God. And we need to listen to this word and we need to serve this generation because this is a lost and dying generation. When people say, why do you attend? Why do you contribute? Why do you pour your life into Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, why did you get up and come today even after uh, the storm? There are other things you could be doing. Why? We need to be able to say, that, Cookville Free Will, that's my church because we are serving God 
in our generation. Over the next four weeks, I want to flesh this out a little bit. I want us to see different components of what it means to serve God in our generation. What does it mean in our worship here? What does it mean for our outreach, for our community? What what does this mean to serve God in our generation? And today, I want to start in Romans chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible, uh, or you need one in front of you there in the pew, go to Romans chapter 15, and let's read verses 5 and 6 together. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6 together. This morning's message will focus a little bit more on what we do here in this building when we gather corporately. Next week we'll focus on uh, how we reach out beyond what we do here. But today we're going to think a little bit about how we serve God in our generation in this place when we gather together to worship. So Romans chapter 15 Verses 5 and 6. Paul says this, Now the God of patience and consolation. Who is this God? This is God the Father. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you, so he's writing to this congregation, this Roman church, he's writing to them, and he says, May God grant you, this congregation, to be like-minded one toward another. He says, I want this congregation, and may God who is patient with us, and God who comforts us, may God make you to be like-minded, of one mind, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. That you may... Why do they need to be of one mind? Why do they need to be unified in what they are doing? That you with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be of one mind. That with that one mind you may be unified and with one mouth may glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our world praises so many things. Some of them good, many of them bad. But the church is to be a place of praise, of specific praise. We are to be a place of praise to the supreme God of glory who has graciously saved us, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, today, if we turn our mission into praising politics, we will be in trouble. Because in this congregation, we don't agree on politics. If we turn this church into a place of praising certain professions, somebody will be overlooked. Someone will not be recognized. If we turn this church into praising politics or professions, we're in trouble. If we turn the church, our corporate gathering, into a place for promoting just good causes, we'll be in trouble because everybody has a good cause that they want you to get behind. And if we do what so many churches do, if we turn this into a place that revolves around personalities or around only certain people, we will fail. Because when we lift up people and we lift up personalities and we put them on pedestals in a way that elevate their word with the word of God or their life with the word of God 
or who they are with the Word of God, if we do this, we're in big trouble because every single person and every single personality that we could lift up, we all have one thing in common. We are all deeply flawed by sin. And so if churches lift up people and they lift up personalities beyond what God's Word says, that includes the pastor, that includes the deacons, that includes the oldest members, that includes the newest members. If we elevate people beyond what God's Word says... We are in big trouble when the church revolves around that because people are flawed and people are sinful and that sin will infect and it will destroy the church. We are here to praise one. We are here to praise God. And we do that by uplifting and praising His Son, Jesus. Boy, if you love to praise God the Father, say amen. That's why we're here. Philippians 3.3 is important for us as a church. Because Philippians 3.3 says for us, For we worship God in the Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We with one Spirit worship God in the Spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh. When the church becomes about... Now, don't get me wrong. The church addresses politics. The church addresses good causes. The church addresses personalities and it addresses people. But when you elevate those things to Jesus Christ, you are elevating the flesh. You are elevating the flesh. You are elevating the flesh. And Paul says, listen, the church can only be unified around one thing, and that is not our flesh. That is Jesus Christ and His flesh that He gave for us and His Father God. And so you say, what do we need to do the next seven years? We need to praise God. And we need to praise God by uplifting His name and focusing on Him and Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this, I, I'm not saying this is a right or wrong thing. But this is, this is going to be some real practical messages for our church to help us think together. And I've mentioned this before on Sunday nights, and I'll, I'll say it here. This is not a right or wrong thing. But this is one thing in the first seven years that uh, I helped lead our church to do because I felt like this better did what that's talking about. If you go through the main hallways of our church now, there aren't, there aren't motivational posters up. They're not posters with statements from men on it, although men and women have come up with a lot of great statements. You won't see that. If you go through our church, what you will see are banners that have scriptures and the truth of scripture on them. Is it wrong? Is it wrong on the main hallways to have other things? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it's wrong. But I know this. I know that the best motivational statement by man is nothing in comparison to the Word of God. Nothing. And so I want when people to show up to our church, I want when they may walk in, if we get to hit them with one thing, I don't want it to be something motivational I've said or something motivational you've said. I want them to walk in and immediately be confronted with the one word of God that can change them. Now, you look in the bulletin, we'll have some motivational things there. It'll change from week to week, and that's okay. That's not, that's not wrong. But I would just say as a church, the things that are permanent, the things that do not move, the things that we see, you say, does it matter what you put up in a church? I would say, yes, it does, because you're teaching my children. See, children, they're more aware than we are. This is the truth. We just get used to things, and we just keep rolling. But it's amazing the things that my boys talk about. 
It's amazing the things that they notice. Man, every time we go by the Mullins farm, every time we go by there, on the way to church or somewhere, they'll look out on that farm and they see everything going on. I just see some cows over there. They can tell you exactly what those cows are doing. They see the, the llamas or whatever they are doing their stuff. I just see them over there. They can tell you exactly what they are doing. So we as a church, you say, Pastor, what motivates you? What drives you? I would say it needs to be what Paul said. It needs to be in that all that we do, that we lift up God and we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, yes, there are crosses. And there's the Word of God around here. And there's some simple things that tell people this is what we are about. And it's not people... And it's not the statements of men. And it's not uplifting me or uplifting you. It needs to reflect uplifting God. Praising God with one voice. People say, why do you attend Cookville Free Will? Why do you attend Cookville Free Will? You need to be able to say, that's my church. That's my church. Praising God with one voice. Why do I go to that church? Because that's a church. It's not about people or personality or the past. Uh, it's not about those things. It is about praising God with one voice. Verse 6 says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just uplifting any God. We're not just praising any God. We are praising God the Father who has sent Jesus Christ to save us. Now, different pastors have different perspectives, and that's okay. But I can tell you this. The, 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 the few times I've been asked to go to civic meetings or other things and to pray, there's one stipulation for that prayer. Really, two. One is, you can't tell me what to pray. And the second is, you must let me pray in the name of Jesus. I can't pray in a generic name. I don't know who God is unless I know Jesus. Unless Jesus showed me and revealed me and saved me, I would not know who God is. And listen to me, those of you that are younger here today. That is more and more an offense in our land. It is more and more. They'll still, I mean, some people don't want you to talk about God at all. And they're hostile to that at all. But you're going to find the heat really gets hot when you say, I can't just pray in a generic God that's going to mean whatever you want it to mean. When I pray, I've got to pray in the name of Jesus because that is the one who has shown me who God is. Now, sometimes in churches, there are one voice, but it's one voice because one person's doing all the talking or because one family or one group of people, they do all the talking and everybody else has to shut up and be quiet and not say anything else. That's not what that's talking about. That's not talking about a church where you're unified because one person has dictated everything to everybody else. That's not what he said. He said, be of one mind and one voice because you all together are focused on the main thing, Jesus and Father God. So let me this morning give a couple of examples. You say, well, what does that look like for our church? What does it look like for our church to help as many voices as possible praise God and, and, and have that represented Here's the first way. The first way to help all of us worship God together and be unified with one voice. First way, very practical message today. First way is we need variety in leadership. You have to have variety in leadership if you're going to work together to make sure that all voices are being raised to praise God the Father. 
Now, think about the early church. Again, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. If I came up with it my own, we would be in big, big, big trouble. So just go back with me in time to the early church. And if you're not familiar with this, you'll learn something today. So how did deacons come into being? How did this office of deacon ever come to be? Well, you have this thing called the church that explodes on the scene. And you have Jews and you have Gentiles. And the closest thing I can compare that to in America is it's like right after the, the civil rights mo moment, when all of a sudden blacks and whites, when laws started changing and blacks and whites legally in the South could start doing things together. And oh my goodness, let me remember this. Oh, for law, blacks and whites can't be in church together. Which by the way, that's a sin of the devil because the New Testament is about bringing all nations together and you say some people can't work together. That is a sin. Amen? It's a sin. And I love the South. I love it. I love the South. That's who my people fought for back in the day. But you know what? They were wrong about that. It's not okay to tell people, you can't worship with me because you're not my color. That is a sin. A sin. What happened in that church? All of a sudden, Jews and Gentiles are meeting together. These people who were supposed to keep their distance now, they have been unified together, brought in together. And there began to be division because they said, well, some people are being listened to and other people are not being listened to and some people's needs are being met and other people's needs are not being met. And what did the apostles say? These are the apostles. Did they say, we want all of you to shut up. We want you to be quiet and not bring this up again because we are running this show and don't bring this up. That's not what they said. Now, trust me, the apostle Paul, when his people just complain and the apostle Paul has no problem to tell people to be quiet, none at all. But on that, the apostles said, this is a problem. And this is a problem that we have a church and everybody, we need to know what's going on and we need to make sure that, that everybody has a voice. And that's how deacons came into being so they could minister to everybody. So that implied one thing, they were to know what's going on. So he said, call them out from the congregation, call the deacons out so they can help know what's going on and so they can help distribute the goods and serve everybody. And so they called these men up. Imagine be those first deacons to call them out and say, your job, your job is to help make sure as a church we can stay unified and you're going to help us do that by making sure people are listened to and their needs are met. Now, a lot of times deacons get attacked because they do other things other than that. People get mad and they say bad things about deacons. But can I tell you something? If you have deacons that are doing what the Bible says to do, it is a blessing. If you're glad for good deacons that you've known, say amen. So that, you say, you say, why a variety in leadership? Why do you need that? Why does the church have to have that? Well, I'm going to tell you, it comes straight out of the Bible where they said, raise these men up and use these men so everybody's voice, or at least the things going on, at least a representation of everybody's voice can be heard. And so it's not. It doesn't need to just be my voice. It doesn't just need to be a deacon's voice. It doesn't just need to be a certain generation's voice, whether old or middle-aged or young. It doesn't need to just be one of those. Church is about incorporating, about partnering together to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how do we practically do that? How do we do that? Well, our deacon board needs to reflect that. It needs to reflect that. As a church, we've gone through some change. Uh, since I came, we've had one deacon, pat we had five, we've had one pass away. We've had one that had to move out of state because he reached uh, an age, an age where he couldn't live without being around his children, so he had to move out of state. We had one leave. So we had two, two deacons, or no, we had three deacons because we called Brother Mike. 
So we have one deacon, Brother Mike. You in your 40s, Mike, or are you 50 yet? Knocking on the door! I wouldn't have said that. I'd have said 40, Pastor. What are you talking about? And then we have two deacons. I believe Brother Charlie's in his 70s. Brother Albert, who's at decoration, left go decoration, he's in his 80s. So it's pretty obvious. You don't need to have a college degree. It's pretty obvious. Last couple years, last year in particular, I asked three different middle-aged men in our church, and they all turned me down. All of them love our church. They're all very hard workers in our church. Some of it had to do with the feeling of, hey, we've been here and we've done this for a long time. It's time to let some new people rise up. That, that was part of it. And there was some personal issues with one, just some things behind the scenes of feeling like, I don't, I don't feel like I should do this. I'm going to tell you, the Word of God says to call them and to use them. And so over the next couple of years, we're going to have to call some men and we're going to have to raise some men up. And I want you to listen. We have Brother Charlie and we have Brother Albert who are over here. Unless Charlie lives to be 105. He's a little over here with Albert. We have Brother Mike. And we're going to need to call some young men that are godly men that have proven themselves to step up and to be the leaders that we need. If we need the next generation to step up, say amen. Young people, you must live for the Lord because He demands it, not because we want you to be a deacon. You must do it because God demands and He has called you to be a light in your generation. And He's called you to serve Him and to worship Him. And there are some of you that the devil's going to tempt you in big ways and he is going to tempt you because he knows that this church, that this church, some things are happening and he knows there's a generation that could be used for His service, but He's going to tempt you to defy the Word of God, to enter into sin, to engage in sin, because the devil does not want to see, does not want to see Charlie and Albert, a new generation, come in who will continue the work. They want, he wants Brother Mike to be the last. Believe me, that would make the devil very happy if nobody else was raised up into this God-ordained leadership. I am determined that that does not happen. If you agree, we're going to defeat the devil through Jesus in this, say amen. So you say, how do we do this? There has to be a variety in leadership. Right now, one thing we're doing because of the position we're kind of in is I do with the trustees. I've been sharing more information with them just generally about things going on because we have some great trustees in our church. We have to make sure that we're listening. Listen, I, I, I don't know that I do it as much as I should, but I try to ask Brenda and, and Becky sometimes, what's going on in the nursery? I try to talk to my mom with Brother Mark. We stay in constant communication. Why? Because the church, we need to listen and we need to know so we stay unified to praise God. In the Bible, there has to be a variety so all voices together can praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about this phony and fake diversity that the world has. The world has a quota system and it's not interested in who's qualified or who's able or, who, or who's, who's meeting what should be met. It's just interesting. Let's just meet a quota so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look at us, look at us and how good we are. I'm not talking about a quota system. I'm talking about people moved by the Holy Spirit of God, faithful to His Word that He raises up to be a voice for His people. The Word of God calls for this. It demands this when you look at the model in the New Testament. Praising God with one voice. How do we do this over the next seven years? We continue within leadership to try better and better and harder and harder to listen 
so together we can be unified to praise the Lord. Now don't get me wrong. The Bible does give the leaders. A new generation has to be led and they have to be guided. It's part of why we need. We need before Brother Albert fades off the scene. We need why Charlie's still got a few good years left, some good years left. We, we need that while Brother Mike's here. We need an older generation to be able to show and model and to pass on the torch. We need that. We'd be in big trouble. I'd be in big trouble if I didn't have men and women in my life that invested and had shown me this is how you do the job that God has called His church to do. So we depend on the Holy Spirit. And we stay faithful to the Word of God. And we believe that He will be faithful if we honor Him. And He will raise up what we need so we can be unified to praise the Lord. Variety and leadership. What's another way? What's another way? Another way is variety of those who during our worship service have a part. We need a variety. For the first seven years, there's been no doubt. Uh, I've been the overwhelming presence on the stage. The beginning of the service to the very end. Been right up present on the stage. In a lot of ways, because of where our church was at, I felt that that was needed. That it was needed for a strong presence to be there. The strong presence of not, not going to fade away, not going to leave, not going to run, not going to abandon. We're here together and, and wanted to, to let you know I'm excited about worshiping the Lord. And want you know that every Sunday, that your pastor was not up here dreading to be here, but excited to be ready to preach the Word of God. If you believe God will bring excitement to His people, say amen. So for seven years, a big presence. But that's changing. It's already started changing a little bit. Why, why go off the stage some and allow other people to be up there without you? Because part of my job is to make sure that if something was to happen to me, or God called me somewhere else, or I died, you should be able to come the next week. And yes, there should be sadness in your heart and a feeling of, wow, that preacher really brought us the Word of God but something is wrong and I failed to do what Jesus actually said to do because that command disciple is to everybody. And if something happens to me in the next week, there aren't people just ready up, ready to keep going the way it should be. Appropriate morning, but I hope you mourn a little bit if something happened to me. But, but if it can't just go, can't just go, then I have failed. I failed to do what God commands to be done. I, probably one of my proudest moments as a pastor was when Brother Cecil and Rhonda went on vacation a few weeks ago. And I told him. He went on vacation and he came back and I said, Cecil, you've done what the Lord calls to do to make disciples because you left and the music did not miss one beat. Not one beat. So Cecil, if you leave, if you leave, and there's this huge fall off, that means we've not done what we're supposed to do. Oh, that, that means now, now that means me and Cecil, yeah, if it's just us, we can pat each other on the back. Oh, but Cecil, man, we just can't do it without you. Oh, but Charles, we just, we can't do that. No, no, no. We can't do it without Jesus. And as a church, if we don't raise up the next generation, and we're gone, they just carry right on praising Jesus, then we've done what we wanted, and we've accomplished what we wanted, but we've not done what Jesus said to do. 
So if other people can't get up and learn how to read Scripture and praise God that way, if other people, I mean, there's no reason, I don't have to be the only one to read Scripture. Other people can read Scripture and praise the Lord and, and use their talents to begin to develop them or use them to honor God through the reading of the Word. And there are other ways, as we move forward, other ways to let other people use their gifts to show as a church we're not dependent on the personality of a preacher. And we're not dependent on the personality of a certain uh, music leader or a music style. No, 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 no. We are dependent on Jesus. If you get what I'm talking about, say amen. Church, this is where we have to be. And this is what we have to do because the Word of God demands it. We need to think about how do we reflect that Jesus and Father God is the focal point. Now, this listening to all voices, there was dissension. There was dissension in the early church between Jewish and Greek widows. And uh, listen, as a church, James Dobson, if you know who James Dobson is, raise your hand. I just want to see if you know who he is. All right, most of you know who he is. So, James Dobson is a Christian psychologist. He's been attacked a lot for taking strong biblical stands. He is hated. He is hated by. Uh, I guess what you'd call the leftist liberals in this country, they hate James Dobson because he has taken a stand for traditional marriage and he's taken a stand. And he's written a wonderful book on how to raise boys. And basically a lot of it is let them be boys. That's a lot of what the book just is. Let boys be, who, give them structure and guidance, but let them be boys. And I'm going to tell you a lot of people hate him for that, for that book. Of course, if you don't like the way I turned out, you can hate him too because my mom read that book and that was... James Dobson made this comment, listen to this. James Thompson said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, the biggest attacks of Satan I've ever seen have not been over homosexuality, and he's been attacked big time for that. And it hasn't been by feminists who, who are totally against the way he says to raise boys according to the Word of God. He said, that's not been the biggest attacks of Satan I've ever seen. James Dobson said, the biggest attacks of Satan I've ever seen are in churches when generations could not figure out how to worship God in music together. James Dobson, biggest attacks of Satan I've seen, not homosexuality, not feminists attacking him, on believers who could not figure out together how to praise God with one voice. So you can see, we're, we've moved to a true blended service. But see, so I've talked about it, and, and I don't tell him what to sing, but we've talked, and, 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 and honestly, it's great to have Ricky and Kelly here today because Ricky and Kelly with the young people, people ask me what, Ricky was our former youth pastor, what's the best thing Ricky and Kelly did for our church in here? Honestly, it was getting the young people to sing again in their classes. What's up there? You guys played a part in that. Because let me tell you, there was a time in this church where there was no singing going on over in the teen class. And that's wrong because the Word of God commands us to sing. Amen? There was none. And so I'm glad that just kind of worked out for you guys to be here today. So listen, we've been trying, we've been developing. They started them singing again. We've been trying to bring them in to use them. And so Brother Seal said, we're going, to do a, we're going to do a true blended service. We're not going to push old people away and say there's no, there's no place for your songs anymore. And we're not going to hold young people back and say there's no place for you. Just said, listen, together we give both a voice and we will figure out how to do it and how to honor the Lord together. Will it be perfect? No. But can we sit on the sidelines and silence one group of voices? No, because he says with one voice, praise the Lord 
Jesus Christ. So if we can do it together, say amen. We can do it, we'll do it. So we don't, listen, there's some churches the older people are pushed away and it is said, we don't care about you anymore. And some churches, some churches the young are told there's no place for you and there's nothing that you can do. We're not going to do that on stage or in music or any other position of leadership. We're going to do what the Word of God said to do. Listen, we better sing. And we better praise God like we did today.